Welcome to Episode 3 of Theatre 33's podcast series, Building Play. I am your host, Susan Coromel, and the Artistic Director of Theatre 33, a new play development company in residence at Willamette University. Building Play is a podcast about the work we do at Theatre 33 and features discussions with playwrights, actors, dramaturgs, and designers who collaborate and contribute to Building Play. You can subscribe to our series on Apple Podcast or Spotify and visit our website at www.theater33.org for more information about our summer season of new plays. Today we have a treat. Guest host Stephen Alexander will be discussing the design process with three Theater 33 designers. Stephen has directed two productions for Theater 33. Last summer, he worked on Bethany Sees the Stars by Emily Golden, and this summer will begin the development process on Windberry Creek by Rachel Carnes, which is our July Zoom workshop. Stephen has directed nationally and prolifically in Portland, where he has been awarded four Drammy Awards for his work as both a director and a musical director. Joining the podcast today is resident designer Rob Vaughn, who is a scenic designer and technical director at Linfield College. Rob has worked with Theatre 33 for four seasons, and last year was the recipient of the Portland Area Musical Theatre Award for Outstanding Set Design. Also joining the conversation is Allison Johnson, a costume designer and sometime sound designer at Theatre 33. Allison has worked at the August Wilson Red Door Project in Portland, American Shakespeare Center in Virginia, and participated in Third Rail Repertory Theater's mentorship program. Allison is also a Willamette University Theater alum. Rounding out the conversation is Rachel Kinsman-Steck, a founding member of Theater 33 and resident lighting and sound designer and production manager. Rachel has worked extensively in theater and dance throughout the country, including such theaters as California Shakespeare Theater, Berkeley Repertory Theater, and Diablo Ballet. And with that, I will hand over the microphone to Stephen Alexander. Hello, everybody. I'm Steve Alexander. Thanks so much for being here. And thanks, Susan Coromel, for uh, introducing us on our, on our latest broadcast with uh, Theater 33. As she mentioned, I'm joined here by three amazing designers that I've worked with in different ways. We have uh, Robert Vaughn. Allison Johnson and Rachel Kinsman-Steck. They've been working throughout the time that Theater 33 has been in existence. Um, Robert, what are some of the shows that you've joined uh, Theater 33 with? uh, This is Rob. I uh, started back in 2017. Uh, My first show ever was 36 uh, Perfectly Appropriate Mealtime Conversations. That was a fun one. It was a uh, great opportunity to sort of uh, just get in the door. Um, we also did Shorn that year. Santa's Bag was a Christmas show in 2018. Forgiveness Tree, Lost Dog, which is a personal favorite of mine for multiple reasons. Martine Out of Time and Amanda Transcending. And then last year we did Burst and Harder Courage, which were the two I worked on in addition to one more show. So those are the highlights that I remember the most. Were you mainly working as set designer for that? or did you- Mostly, yeah, set props. Um, yeah. And you do a little sound design on the side, right? I do. Yes. Okay. I, I am the resident sound designer at Linfield University, as well as a technical director there. And actually, Willamette University uh, um, were kind enough, and it was an honor to be able to, to participate in their uh, spring show this year, just, just right before just things turned to crud. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we were glad to have you, and 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 I hope you get to do some more sound design for Theater Thirty Three. I do. It was it was awesome. I think all four of us have sound design in our back pocket. Allison, you've done some sound design as well. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, this is Allison, but I did. Well, I helped Rachel out with Shorn back in. 2017, then did Tenders of the Feet. Um, and then I did sound design for Lost Dog before I headed off to Virginia after graduating in 2018. And uh, I worked with you though as uh, in the costume land. Yeah, that's my my primary uh, focus. So when we did Bethany Sees the Stars together last summer, we mm-hmm. worked in costumes together. Um, yeah, as well as Burst uh, and The Harder Courage for that same season. I was going to have Rachel list off some of the shows, but she may as well just list the entire production series of um, Theater 33 because you're one of the founding members and um, on the board. What are what are the capacities that you do outside of board things? What 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 else do you do with Theater 33? I guess I act as their production manager. Um, I try to mentor all of the um, interns that we have, the production interns that we have, um, with, of course, the help of our designers, you know, like Rob is, is also been a tremendous help in that. So a good shout out to, to Rob, who's, who's, who's been just instrumental in, in really raising up some of our interns, particularly in the design side of things. Um, and then I, I do lighting sound, and then I've actually done a project, a projections design for Marsfield Gardens. I was the sound designer, lighting designer, and projections designer for Marsfield Gardens. Um, but the good news about that is that it could come in pieces because we were able to, we actually toured that show before it came to theater, before Theater 33 produced it. Um, it's 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 at its heart a theater thirty three show, um, but we were able to to go out and and do that at the Strat uh, a Stratford Fringe type festival mm. um, situation. So that was that was that was fun. Um, so that was so an we, international was tour then. I guess you're right, <laughs> Canada, our close neighbors. Uh, you know, I grew up just a, a, an hour and a half or two hours from Stratford, so it didn't feel like it was too international for me. But yeah, it's it, it was always fun going back to Canada. Uh, so today we get, uh, we're mainly working this as a conversation between uh, designers. I've done a little bit of design, but I'm more here to make sure that we uh, keep things on track. And although, heck, sometimes when getting off track when we're theater people is, is some of the best things around, uh, we get to kind of strip away uh, for our viewers what happens behind the scenes um, when we talk about um, about designing and the extra bonus here is that theater 33 is a playwright a play their plays in development that we're working with developing plays as opposed to the normal um process where one will get rights to a published script that may have been out there 100 200 years even um and have a long rehearsal period we have a much shorter rehearsal period with theater 33 so um what are uh just there's a lot of different answers to this and a lot of subcategories, but the big overarching question that we're going to be looking at today is what is different when you work with Theater 33 and working with plays in development uh, versus um, other plays? Is it the same? Is there anything specific about the collaboration with uh, actors? We've got playwrights in residence, for example. How does that, you know, how does that differ? Um, and uh, so if there's anybody that, uh, so I'll just throw that big short question out there. What are the things that first come to mind when you think about what's different about Theater 33 experience for you? 
Well, just what uh, you were saying first about how it's it's a work in process. So usually, yeah, you get the script and that's the the Bible from which you you bring forth the designs, the concepts and whatnot. But less about with Theater 33, it's less about having the words specifically there and just finding, distilling down to what is the show about and really finding that from the get-go to kind of take forward, especially with like costumes and Rob with set, things that aren't quite as flexible when you get in the room a bit later. Um, have you have you ever had times in which uh, the costume plot has changed from the beginning to the end of the, it's only like a, a, a week or a week and a half process um, for the rehearsals. Mm-hmm. with the script a little bit not horribly extensively um just in the show the three shows that we've done costumes specifically for most of them were kind of one set one place one time or we decided from the beginning that there weren't going to be a ton of changes though mm-hmm. with the harder courage i think we decided to change one or two things a bit closer to the end but thankfully bobby let us borrow a bunch of things from Willamette stock which made that infinitely more feasible and helpful uh, how much time did you have actually to work with uh, for the costumes on those how, uh, to, you know, be in the shop and put it together compared to the regular type of production that you work with? I mean, in terms of actually like really, really working on it, probably about a week in grand total mm-hmm. versus, yeah, like a six week process of being in and out and letting those things discover and develop. So it's definitely, you know, hard and fast. Usually when we get to the Theater 33 tech time. I'd reach out to a few friends who would be down in Salem and just go, hey, can I uh, crash at your place and just be able to fully immerse yourself in it for a couple of days? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, Rob, you look, you were, live out of town as well um, uh, from from Salem. Do you find yourself um, residing here during that that quick in, and uh, intense time for the Actually, I do live in Salem. Oh, you do? Um, I do live in Salem. I live in South Salem. And uh, again, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, but I do work at Linfield University um, as a technical director. So during the whole year, I'm actually commuting to Linfield to do my job there. So working at Theater 33 is actually a delight because oh. I can stay there till, you know, late. And then I'm just a short 10, 15 minute ride home and then I can go to sleep. So I think it's wonderful. Do you miss your scene shop when you're uh, working on the things at Theater 33? Because uh, oh, it's yes. not your scene shop. Here. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, and again, that's one of the differences of working at Theater 33 is it's such a, a short time span. And uh, again, resources are so small. It's like, what can we throw together in as short a period of time as possible? Where um, do you get these resources? For- well, fortunately for, for me, uh, as the technical director at Linfield University, I have uh, used some of the stock scenery platforms and, and uh, walls and things of that nature there. And uh, I also use the shop there to build some elements and then bring those elements down and then load them into the space. So uh, we've been fortunate that, uh, you know, my work has been flexible enough to allow me to, to do that. Um, and I think that's really been a benefit for, for uh, some, of the, some of the sets that we've had here, particularly last year with Burst. That was a, that was a pretty big uh, undertaking, I think. Yeah, d- definitely a difference. And then we can borrow props and, and some costume pieces, like, like Allison said, from the uh, Willamette University Theater as well, which has been lovely. Yeah, so and now, everything. and at this point, Theater 33 is actually under the guise of Willamette University. So it uh, makes it even less of a, a favor and more of a, a, a pleasure to be able to, um, I still guess it's a little beg, borrow and ceiling, but, but 
it, uh, theater is always stealing in some ways. So. <laughs> and if I can uh, point out, Rachel mentioned the interns, and uh, I can't say enough how much I've appreciated having those interns because those interns are usually more aware of what we have in props or are more aware of, of the inner workings of the Willamette working uh, environment. So I can turn to them and say, I need help. What can you help me do? And uh, they're, you, they've, I have only glowing things to say about all those interns. They've been amazing to work with. So. Yeah, sometimes they even have access to rooms that designers don't, that you can, that helps you access what you need. Um, yep. But we don't like to talk about that online. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, you do, um, you do production management for the university shows and then also Theater 33. What's the, what do you find the big difference between the two of them? I would say, uh, you know, pace is definitely fast. This is very much more similar to the summer stock experiences that I've had in the past. I mean, it's even faster than a lot of summer stock. Um, and, and that's not to say that it's bad. I mean, I think the, the good news is, is that we've, as a design teams and that all the design teams we've, we've put together have really um, clicked really, we're really quickly and we've able to feed off each other and work off each other. Um, I, I particularly have enjoyed my time with with both Rob and Allison and and hope that next year Allison can will still kind of be around so that she can come back and do some work for us um with some of the shows next year because I'm super excited about our season that we're getting a little bit of a preview on this year unusually um and then next year to to put it in um the budgets are 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 smaller um and and the the concept of of how we raise our money and how we work is is dr- dramatically different from really, I think most um, professional theaters or semi-professional theaters, but it's also um, incredibly compelling to me because it's all about access, right? And, and trying to create theater that's for everyone um, and not charge $150 or even $50 for a ticket. And so as a, as a production manager, I'm constantly looking at how do we pay people um, the best that we can pay them and grow sustainably and have strong production values and all of those kinds of things while also um, offering opportunities for folks to, 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 to keep our ticket prices down. That's really meaningful to me that, that we're on a donation only theater company. Um, and so as a designer, I, I make choices that help support that. And as a production manager, I try to, to do that too, while also balancing um, the needs and the timelines of, of our folks. So um, constantly looking at production calendars and production budgets, um, talking to designers and making sure that that their needs are being met and they feel supported while at the same time um, balancing all of those other other things across the board. And, and I would say the reason I, I, you know, I don't, I'll let Rob and, and Allison speak to that too, but I really appreciate what they bring to the table because they're also seem to buy into it, whether that they actually buy into it or not, but they, it seems like they, they buy into that idea that, that we want to create theater that that anyone can come and see regardless of how much you you can actually afford it. But how do we do that while still having super high production values or as high a production value as we can? How do we work in a space that maybe isn't um, the most technologically advanced space, right? It's, it's super small and intimate, which has its pros and its cons, right? All, intimate space in terms of connection to audience is really quite amazing. Um, and, and that's, you know, all spaces have challenges. That space has a few extra challenges in it. Um, and so how do we do that? How do we do that well? Um, and, and still make it, ex- it's completely accessible. And, and by that, I, I don't just mean for the audience to arrive and come see the show, but also to, to access the metaphors and the, and the, the, the commitment that, that, that the 
the project brings, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I've been struck when I worked with Bethany Sees the Stars last year that um, now many of the designers may have been working on more than one show at the time, but um, what amazed me is for when we have a week and a half of rehearsal before we have the, the run of performances, at the same time, the design meetings were still like full on design meetings. It didn't, it, I, I had no feeling that anyone was just stopping in with, well, we've got limited resources, so I'm gonna give you a limited, um, a limited part of me or a limited design that they all went, um, they all went as full as possible. Um, Allison, do you find with your designs or Robert or Rachel or any of you, um, I mean, when you design, are you designing for the big version of these shows and then cutting it down to um, fit the size of the theater and the times or um, how do you, how do you make the balance in that? I feel that usually I try to think big picture, but there's something, something really freeing about the fact that it's, you know, a week and a half rehearsal period and that it is usually a, a staged reading. So there's something really nice about that in terms of thinking about design and concepts. So I feel a lot more free to just say, hey, let's go for it. Let's try this extreme or more extreme color palette or try a more minimal one or just make design choices that are a bit more hard and fast than trying to kind of feel it out as we go along, which is always really fun. Mm -hmm. So you actually get to go a little bit farther beyond the envelope than you might in a... Uh... In a, in a place that asks for more money for ticket prices and have donors that um, are giving millions of dollars and things like that then? Yeah, well, there's less less time to second guess yourself and less need to. Mm -hmm. Especially like Rachel was saying earlier, we all have worked together really well in terms of collaboration and feeding off each other. And I can't think of a bad experience I've had. Yeah. Well, and I would say that that's what happens with the actors too, right? They have such a short rehearsal period. They need to make a decision and go with it and then see, see where that leads with the script. And also the script is changing all the time. So maybe not, I mean, Allison, you kind of spoke to, it doesn't super affect necessarily scenic and, and, and costumes because your, your design process, but it certainly affects the lighting and sound designs um, and any projections design that happens. So you're constantly reacting to the new pages and to the new text, but then also you're influencing those new pages and the new text too. And I, I think that our designs um, in our early meetings do the same too, right? So Rob, when you hand in, you know, you're showing drawings um, and, and the designers, you know, the director sitting down with, usually it's just the company of actors and designers and maybe a dramaturg if you're lucky. And now you've got the playwright who's sitting in the room, whose whole purpose of being there is also to to add pages or to solidify concept or whatever it is. And then you're showing them like what you wrote, right? Rob, I mean, if you can speak to the bur burst is you, you showed what you wrote, right? And then the direct, the, the playwright's like, huh, you know, is this working? Does this work? Which is part of the process, right? That's why we're there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in the case of Burst, uh, again, this was a, a show where we went a little further than we had in the past in that normally we have just a few sparse elements that the script specifically calls for. Um, and I actually put up, uh, you know, a whole bunch of walls. So we had a solid blue, you know, office from one side of the stage to the other, um, which was 
pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I I had this rendering that I was able to show everybody fairly early on, and we only needed to move like a couple of walls a little bit. But again, like Allison said, uh, we make our choices and we kind of have to live with those choices. And, you know, we, we alter things when we can within the confines of the space and the time that we have to work in. Um, which, uh, again, with Theater 33 is a very unique environment. Um, for example, when I'm thinking about working with sets and props, uh, I have to remember that the actors are all going to have their script in their hands. Mm. So um, I have a lot of pretty, you know, candid conversations with directors sometimes. It's like, why do we have this prop? How does it help tell the story? Do we really need to have it? And when the director inevitably says, yes, we absolutely have to have this, then I have to figure out, okay, how can we do this? Or how can we work together to try to make it as simple as possible so that the actor doesn't, you know, end up juggling the props and the scripts all at the same time? Yeah, I remember working with uh, Allison for Bethany Sees the Stars. Uh, costume changes were just as as numerous worth a, I mean, we had a small cast of five and every one of them played one, if not more than one other role. Mm-hmm. Um, and without dressers uh, backstage. Um, and I mean, these people are going from everyday clothes to becoming Greek constellations for goodness sake. So um, with a script in hand. Right. Um, was that part of, did I, well, I know the answer to this, but describe a little bit about like, how do you, how do you, how do you make that happen with, with the changes? Yeah. Well, we knew that there wasn't going to be time for a full change. There weren't going to be dressers. They weren't going to be able to run off stage. So yeah, I remember we went out fabric shopping and showed you pictures of how to create these kinds of like right. over layer to throw over right. the top. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember with Emily, who was the, set designer for that show um she wanted to incorporate that same fabric into the set as well kind of to play off of itself remember mm-hmm. with the columns uh-huh that was a that was a pretty amazing um bit of collaboration that came up very fast well that's one thing about theater 33 i mean once you all get in the room together you pretty much stay in the room together for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. um and um even if the actors are working then i see the designers walking in so that they can work on the set afterward. I even recall that there was a, uh, had to do with some chains. There were some some chains that were used in the set and there was a necklace chain. And then suddenly the when the playwright saw that being used, that um, she added another scene that was about some chains so that we had to, uh, there was a, a point at which it all came about, um, how am I gonna adjust these chains? Um, right. Well, and that's what I'm, that, that's one of the exciting things about Theater 33, right? That that there are these that that as designers we are absolutely influencing where the text goes by the way that we've interpreted it with the director and the and the performers and talked about it and they you know and it's an and and uh there i had a lovely conversation with ellen lewis uh last week and 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 she she spoke of that too right she's working in the room with the performers and the performers influence how the text is going to take shape um and and so too do we we get that idea so uh, Rob, remember that one script we were reading and Susan, uh, Susan Cormell, our artistic director, she, 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 she like emails it to us and texts us. You guys have to look at the script right away. You have to look at the script right away. Um, Cause we don't know if we can do this. Like, I just can't imagine this. And it was the drone, the script with the drone. I think a flying, there was a, a yeah, yes. Yeah. A flying and, mechanized and drone. She, she thought for sure she couldn't even share that script with the artistic board 
to even look at because how can we make that possible? And then Rob and I are like, ah, we can do it. Like we, we can figure <laughs> out a way to do it. It might not actually be a flying, like the drone might not be like spinning its little drone, you know, uh, stuff, but we can, we can make it like appear under these circumstances to be a drone or whatever it is. Or like cast a small child in the role of the drone. Right. Was that show one that was done eventually? No, no, it it had, it had some other challenges. I think that, that we weren't prepared to conquer. Um, It is a, it it was a good script. It was actually, um, it just, um, yeah, it, 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 it had some challenges that we wanted to kind of think about and see if we wanted to go any further with it. Um, it's hard choosing the scripts, but Rob's a part of that team as well um, to, to go through the scripts. And we, we, we're trying to find Northwest playwrights, right. That, that speak to our community and, and that are diverse. And I think uh, if it's all right, that's the other thing um, that I really love about theater 33 is, is that our designers we try to be as diverse as possible with our Northwest designers and the scripts are diverse and, and that we're thinking about um, bringing new voices into the, to the space. Well, it sounds like it's really about the writing and the choices. I mean, if you're, if you're willing to consider something that has a drone and figure out how that's going to happen as opposed to um, you know, what's going to, what's going to fit the budget the most, if uh, then it sounds like it really is, that you're true to your word when you're saying that it's about the about the words and developing the play as opposed to um, just the spectacle that's yeah. uh, surrounding it. Well, sure. I mean, I'm completely biased because I'm a founding member and I'm the production manager, but I, I think we do. We have a team that hardly ever says no. And that's that's a gift uh, amongst each other, like to be able to collaborate with folks who who always find the answer. Um, that's, that's such a gift. And then it's a, it's a gift to the playwright and it's a gift to the community that we're, we're going to try to find the solution. Well, it's a gift to ourselves too. Um, I mean, this is, that's a part of the huge gratification is, is working with people to problem solve. And that's what a big part of this is, is solving problems. And when we get approached with a script like that, like, huh, this is a problem that's going to be fun to solve. Um, versus, you know, you get uh, some straight scripts that, you know, there aren't super challenges in it. It could still be a very good script, but it's just like, okay, this will be a great show. But then there are those scripts like the drone that's like, ooh, how are we going to do this one? This is going to be fun. Or the periscope and the, the periscope and the giving tree, yeah. um, the forgiveness tree, excuse me. Um, so yeah, solving those problems is what makes it worth it. And the quick telling changes the story. in Bethany sees the stars, right? Or the, just the, the cinematic nature of Bethany Sees the Stars in a little 50-seat black box theater, right? Yeah, with no backstage. Yeah, those are awesome, though. It's, and it and it's forced, so much fun. And it forces us to be more creative than mm-hmm. having a huge budget and solving problems with money. And that might be the reason that we find ourselves choosing to go to theater as opposed to... Um, I mean, I know that there was a time in my life where I thought, well, maybe I should just go to Hollywood. The, you know, the, the payoff could be so much bigger. And if I want to do the Merchant of Venice, they could fly me to Venice. But instead, I end up at a place where we have to create Venice or, or get close to Venice or redefine Venice mm-hmm. and sometimes do it for $100 total. Um, and that, um, you know, when I, I that... I, I often think that that's one of the reasons that we end up in theater, those of us that make this strange choice to um, live in poverty for the rest of our lives, creating art, um, is to take that Sal's ear and make a silk purse out of it. I mean, that's doable. We actually do that all the time. 
Um, are there any uh, are there any times that I'm, uh, I'm thinking back to the shows that I work with, and I'm going to have the show I'm going to be working with next is going to be all online. Um, that if you ever got to if you ever got to do a do over on any of the shows, were there ever any of the shows that um, you thought, oh, if we this truly should have had an extra week to work on, or um, this this would have been um, a process that I would have loved to have a fuller um, a fuller time. Are there are there ever times that you uh, that you felt that um, that it deserved something larger than what Theater Thirty Three had? Uh, was able to provide at the end? Yes and no. I remember working on The Harder Courage, which was set in, you know, 1890s. So definitely the period was challenging, but having it be Theater 33, this intimate setting, this intimate experience, what we ended up doing, I think was much more effective than if it was strictly period with the big hats and all the things and the stuff and the frills. Even how did you, how did you- how did you work with that? How did you make that? How did you realize that? Um, I mean, it was mostly a lot of pieces with the help of Willamette's wonderful stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like women's oversized blouses that we could alter with long skirts types of things. Shawls tied in certain ways to kind of get that the shape we were going for. The men's outfits were a bit easier. It was just like finding the right suspenders and whatnot. But if it was for a larger kind of audience venue... I feel like that would have been different. It would have needed more of that specificity of time, more of like fancy women's hats or something. I'm going to let the dog out really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Rob? I, I would echo the same thing. Like there are, there are minor things looking back that I'm like, oh, okay, uh, Martine at a time. I wish I had made the platforms behind the audience taller. Um, minor things like that. But uh, overall, given the constraints, I mean, I, unless you're willing to say, you know, take this show into a huge proscenium theater and give it a $30,000 budget, I don't think I would want to change anything from what, too drastically from what we did. And uh, those minor differences like platform heights and, you know, window sizes and things like that, that's stuff you learn along the way. And then, you know, I have that in my box for the next time we have a situation like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I agree um, with Rob, too, that, I mean, we're, we're, we use the space effectively um, and we use our time effectively. And the more time you're given the more time you use. And so the, and, and I think we're, again, effect, if you're with a great team that can collaborate and communicate effectively, I think it's really great. So I think using the harder courage is a perfect example. Uh, Rob drew up some ideas, got some stuff started, got into the space. The director's like, God, this isn't going to work. Um, and we, and, and they started chatting and I think your solution, like in terms of how I could use the space and, and what I could do as a lighting designer in that space, was was awesome and and i think it's if that play were to move on to go someplace that becomes a touchstone right that's a memory that that's hard that you you created a vision that would be hard to not have in your back pocket every other time you do harder courage um you know that it was such a phenomenal metaphor of the pacific northwest of the time of the place right the that those wooded slats that that like were basically became tree shaped in some ways right 
and worked so effectively as as passageway and corridor and and symbolized all of those different elements. Um, and so I, I just I really appreciate all of the troubleshooting that happens. You and and same thing, Allison, with with the work that you did on that show um, to create this place that's just you 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 walk in and you believe it right our audiences believe where we are and i think that's what we're supposed to do and it doesn't matter what the budget is i mean i've worked at oprah derstadt bun when they were the state capital and they were throwing like millions of dollars on each production that didn't make it better that just made it more fantastical right and i think what we do is 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 really work with the playwright on analyzing the script and and figuring out what do we need what what's going to help tell this story and and so I don't I don't care about the budget. I mean, I do. I mean, it's always be nice, you know, but I really don't care about the budget in, in terms of that as long as we're able to tell the story. And I think if either one of Rob or Allison were ever come and say, I can't tell a story on this budget, we'd 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 figure it out. Right. But thankfully, that hasn't really been the, the problem yet. So I had a, um, a great scene design teacher who uh, told one of the students one time, get out of the way of the script. Um, and I haven't found, I never found, have found with Theater 33 that any of the design techniques are done in order to upstage the words that are being spoken. That's that's one of the things that I've loved. I mean, tech rehearsal can be such a crazy time because all you're focusing on is um, all the the plugs and the, and the lights and the things. Um, but... Um, but one thing that's very relieving with Theater 33 is when the show does go up, I, I'm really able to focus on, uh, I don't have to worry about the million dollar set. I'm able to look at the million dollar words that are coming out instead of the, um, instead of the set that's standing in their way. Um, how did you guys all find out about Theater 33? I mean, Rachel, you, you helped start it. Um, where, where did that come about? How did you... Uh, well, we had our origin story a couple of weeks ago, but oh, okay. um, for me, I, I just uh, honestly, I've always been a fan of of trying to find the theater that um, that's accessible, and and it's really important to me to tell stories with diverse voices. And at the time, uh, I think that you know there there weren't as many diverse voices in the Pacific Northwest telling stories, and we weren't hearing the stories of the Pacific Northwest. Um, which is where we are, right? So place-based um, community building and things like that. Uh, a couple of theaters had shut down in Salem. And, and so there was a little bit of a dearth of, of live performance. And uh, I, I just, you know, when we all got together and started talking about wouldn't it be great to start a theater company and, and how it's kind of came together was incredibly co collaborative. These were not just my ideas, but it was really something that I could put my heart and soul into. Um, and really focus on. And so the most important thing to me about Theater 33 is is raising diverse voices, giving opportunities to people who might not have had opportunities before. And that's from the playwright all the way down to the stu student interns um, and community members and, and, and giving everyone a voice in the room. Like this is our community and it's our voice and we're creating the best theater we, we, we can create. And it brings people in from outside of the community as well, which is one of the amazing things that, I mean, they've housed people from out of state that, um, directors yeah, the, particularly. I, the Pacific Northwest is our focus, right? So artists, mm -hmm. and all artists and playwrights and designers and directors are, they're from the 
and, and performers from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Allison, how did you find yourself working with Theater 33? Well, uh, going to Willamette, it was kind of this thing that you knew so-and-so was going to work there over the summer and so-and-so was doing this part with the summer of Theater 33. And it wasn't until the summer before my senior year that Rachel kind of roped me in to help with some sound stuff. And yeah, from there, when I came back to the Portland area, they were going to try and have a little bit more of a, a storytelling through costume side of things. Mm. So I think the, this last season was the first time they had like a costume design role specifically. Oh, they, it, this, just this past year, what did you, what happened previously? Was it uh, just pulling from people's homes or? Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it was a collaborative effort of design, uh-huh. which, you know, is not as good as having a, a costume designer. Which isn't to say I don't pull things from my own closet and my friend's oh, sure. closet. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, the, and thanks the, for showing us. Is that a bit of your closet video. in the back there, too? Oh, yes. You can see my closet. There's a, <laughs> There's a whole show there. At least three. <laughs> Robert, what made your way from your house in Salem to Theater 33? Well, uh, like I said, I was, you know, I've been commuting at... Uh, Linfield for probably nine years. And then either Rachel or Susan, I can't remember who first contacted me, but, uh, you know, we're, it's a theater, the theater world is a very small circle and, uh, our names have been, you know, thrown around and we sort of knew about each other peripherally, but then they, you know, I don't know what made them take the plunge. They've heard enough good things about me, I guess, that they, you know, emailed me and said, Hey, want to be part of this thing? And, uh, and at first it was just, you know, reading scripts and getting to be a part of that. And then all of a sudden I find myself, uh, you know, resident designing all the shows for that year and, uh, and uh, kind of been sucked in and I've been happy to be a part of it ever since. So it's, yeah, it's a great thing to get involved with. I will say it's it's kind of strange as I look forward to uh, another rehearsal process beginning here um, that this time it's going to be online, and um, and, and it's surprising how how much I've relied on designers to be able to help me understand characters. And the only way that I can discover this is because I'm not having design meetings. We're working online as we're as we're reading the plays together. It's uh, really um, I I sort of want to ask: Can we have a costume designer just so that they can tell other people what they wear and maybe we can have a set designer that can arrange people's rooms that look like they're all in the same place but (laughs) uh, yeah really crazy challenges right now with uh, the COVID thing going on. So I will I will if I can jump in there I will say that you know COVID has made us all have to think outside the box in a lot of different ways. Um, and you know, what can we do as scenic designers or as costume designers? And some of the thoughts that me and my department have been, you know, running around with and not seriously, we're still trying to gather all of our, our resources, but talking about actually designing everything, having the renderings, having all that, and then like make a package, like a program that we send out so that when we perform it over zoom and stream it, then the audience has this packet of design information that they can pull Mm. from. Um, again, I think that's shooting for the moon. I, I don't think we're, uh, ac- yeah, I can't, I can't speak about what the process is actually going to look like because in this day and age, everything changes two weeks. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to hear more about it because I'm the theater manager over at Willamette and Rachel works with our production management. We've had to come up with a whole set of potential solutions as well. Um, and that kind of communication between theaters is really needed and necessary mm-hmm. right now. Um, gosh, I saw uh, $12 million of income in 
New York City has been lost so far in, uh, oh, excuse me, 12 billion in income um, and money rolling around. So yeah, communicating um, from theater to theater on how we're gonna, because it will keep going. We know it will. It's had 2,500 years and it's not going anywhere. If movies didn't stop us, then nothing will. Right, what is it they say? Theater is the only industry that's always dying or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when they say, how are you going to respond to the recession? I'm like, well, I've been receded from the economy my whole life. So what's, (laughs) it's just another way of working with resources. Um, I think that that Zoom has, uh, and the Zoom readings, like the, the focus on the text has been really wonderful and that it does show um, the ways in which we, we as community can focus, but then also like how we can, how, how easy it is to build constructs. Um, and then also, frankly, how, how much we miss the unif- unifying factors of the designs, right? So all of those things combined. Um, and I do think it's going to lead to new and interesting ways of being in the world. Um, as a time-based artist who doesn't have any static, you know, thing, my, my, my stuff's all energy and wavelengths of some sort. Um, it, it's, it's a little scary to, to, to think about. Um, I mean, sound is, is a little bit easier because, you know, that is something you can do on Zoom, uh, but like focusing lighting and, and creating those tensions and, and coercing the eye, as I like to say, is, mm-hmm. you know, like, how do we, how do we do that? And I, and, and yeah, you know, what I see the Sesame street, um, gate got all their other employees, their green screens and camera setups and, and lighting setups and told them what to do. Um, so they could continue to do Sesame street, uh, and, and, and have that continue to run. And, and it's, it's really fascinating, but there's also this, this element of community and connection. Um, and, and, there is some of that on Zoom, right? With the, the four of us are watching each other and having the conversation. Um, there's been times where we've done the podcasts where the camera has to go off and that's 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 odd. Try to have, you know, it's like you think you can do it with a telephone, but because you do do it with telephones. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's just strange to sit in front of a computer and talk at nothing, right? Um, and so I, I just, I do wonder... Um, I wonder what the plays are going to be like. Like, what are these plays that are being written now, right? Versus the plays that were, you know, like Shakespeare wrote a few during <laughs> the, the plague and, you know, and, and stuff like that. I just, I, I'm always curious as to to kind of where we're heading and if there's where technology be a more will lead us Social to. distanced feel for things when they when we come back out of uh, isolation. Yeah, and you know, like our Willamette University Theater's chosen a play, uh, uh, Vaclav Havel's Memorandum to do in the fall uh, precisely for social distancing, right? That's a play that can, that, that we can buy the convention of. Uh, we had, we had gone through, I think three or four different options and and those options just wouldn't work for social distancing. So, um, you know, but then how do you tell the story and, and, and who's, who are you telling the story to is going to drastically change, right? I'm trying to remain optimistic in the, the future of theater world, because I think, that even though, you know, short-term Allison is very unemployed, I think this has made people realize how much they miss connection and being in the same room with people and experiencing things together. Like as wonderful as Zoom readings are or all the free NT Live shows being done, it's not the same. It's not the same as being in that same shared experience. And I think people realize that. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's no, for me, there's no mistake that the, you know, the largest group protest gatherings that we've had in decades, if not in a half a, a century in our country, comes right at the time that people are aching to be able to connect with each other. I'm Unfortunately, we don't have a, a production designer and a director and a playwright that's in charge of the protests that can guide them to be more uh, safe and, um, and educating areas. But um, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we could do. Maybe we could uh, find ourselves designing for protests. There's some, there's some good fashion that is needed on the streets these days. So. <laughs> well, one of my, one of my feminist, uh, favorite feminist theorists, uh, theater theorists, Jill Dolan uh, in Geographies of Learning talks about, you know, the community and, and the building of community, which comes right down to, I think, everything we've, we've talked about today, including like, what's the size of the set design based on the theater, but it's all about, that's the experience, right? So the expectation of, of what Theater 33 does or what Willamette University does, which is different and they're in different spaces versus what Linfield Theater might do versus Broadway versus Oregon Shakespeare Festival and ART, et cetera, right? They're all different communities with different locations and different venues and different expectations. But the one thing that ties them all together is, is that they are community events, you know? So, and they're very different, right? Allison, you, like what you talked about, like sitting in the, in the theater together and all of a sudden you realize you're breathing together, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's not such a good thing right now, but um, you know, and, 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 and empathizing together or whatever it is, right? The reaction, like how odd that we each bring our own experiences to the theater, right? To each space. And then we have the same for that one moment. That is our moment together, right? That's, there's not very many things that allow us to still have that moment together as a community, right? It's, it's kind of, Amazing. I mean, it's, I guess it's it's why I do theater. I don't know about you all. Yeah, it's a little bit of my church. I mean, there's other churches that we go to, but there is the the church that meets on on Monday through Friday nights as well. There's another another gathering and ritual there. Uh, well, it looks like we're uh, we're running close toward the end. If there's is there anything else anyone wanted to share about their uh, theater thirty three experiences or uh, or um, anything that um, any any joys or stories that you wanted to share before we wrap it all up here? Just looking at a list of shows and trying to, uh, well, this is on a more uh, selfish personal level, but uh, in 2018, uh, the first show was the children's show Lost Dog. Um, Which was one did. of your favorites, you said. Yes, it was. And, and well, I said that was one of my favorites for a multitude of reasons. One of those reasons was that my wife, who is the resident dramaturg for Theater 33, also wrote that script. Um, so we got to work together in theater, which we haven't done since undergraduate school uh, 20 years ago. Um, but it's funny because she had written this script initially at her graduate school at ASU, you know, a decade and a half ago. And then she got to sort of revive it. So I've got I've gotten to witness and watch her sort of uh, get really excited about this process. And, and Did she do most of the revision during the rehearsal process or was there some before the rehearsal process that she brought up? Revised? Yes. Yes. On both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, she's, she's always, uh, I think spoken very highly of, of the process of the playwrights being involved in the theater 33 
environment and helping them to change the script to make it better. I mean, that's why we're here. That's what we're, why, why this uh, convention is set up the way it is, is playwrights, please come in here. We're going to, you know, have some rehearsal and then there's a period of time where you can revise a script and then bring the new the changes. And then we incorporate that into the next rehearsal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it had changed a lot since she did it in graduate school, but she continued to change it through that process. And yeah, that's, it's, uh, intimidating to me, um, to not have a script locked in from the beginning. I, I like to, it's like, these are the words we have to go by. Let's go with that. And then it's like, oh, wait, you're changing the words. What, what? Um, so now I have to, yeah, it's, it's. So that's something that I've, I would, I would say I learned a lot in uh, working with theater 33 is, you know what, it's okay for things to change and the words to change and our themes to change and, and everything. This is, sorry about that. This is a work in progress as it should be. Um, so, yeah. Well, luckily we, there's fear, fearless actors that are also working with this. I mean, we can, we can always follow their, their lead because they don't they don't seem to have any problem working with a and that's that would be incredibly intimidating i mean i spent some years as an actor um you know to you sculpted all your moments and then suddenly your moments are all different or in a different order or they're not even there anymore there's a new moment that you have to create so well yeah if they're doing it i suppose that um we have to find the confidence in ourselves to catch up with them as well i never really thought of that rob i mean i I like to take a risk on every show in some way, shape or form, try something new, but you're absolutely right. It is terrifying. It is, it is terrifying on a regular basis. And it's probably good for us, like as artists to, to a continue to be terrified, no matter how many years we do this. Right. Um, I was terrified. Like I just remember my first design process, my first five years, every show I worked on, I was terrified. Right. Did I make the right choices that I know? And now with technology and three-dimensional design processes, I'm a little less terrified in knowing whether it's going to work or not. I know it's, it's going to work. It's just whether I'm going to like whether it works or not, or whether everyone, like whether, whether or not everyone, whether it works for everyone else kind of situation. So, um, and trying new things is less terrifying in that way, but this is so you're right. And, and it's energizing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to stay on your toes and you have to check the rehearsal reports every day. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to have a good production manager or stage manager, excuse me, to, to, to make sure that you're actually getting all the information you need. I mean, we've, it's, a, it's been a learning process in that regard too, for our stage managers to learn how to effectively communicate the right information. There's been a few times where Rob's like, I'm supposed to what, what, you know, we're on, wait, there's, we're, where is that page that it's new yesterday okay (laughs) or a dramaturg that steps in and tells the director no you really shouldn't be asking for this change no let the um let the playwright figure it out for themselves um (laughs) yeah yeah Um, well this has just been a a real delight um thank you all once again um i just want to uh to thank uh ms rachel kinsman steck who is on the board and a designer for theater 33 uh, Robert Vaughn, who's done a lot of uh, set design for Theater 33, and Allison Johnson, uh, costume and set, uh, uh, excuse me, sound design for Theater 33. Uh, I'm Stephen Alexander, and I'm going to encourage you to watch some of the other um, sequences in the Theater 33 podcast. There was, as Rachel had mentioned, the origin story about the what what is Theater 33 and the full um, season of Summer Plays for 2020 is going to be available very soon online for Theater 33 as well. Um, Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. It's been a delight. 
Thank you. Thank you. And join us at the show, everyone. See you later. <laughs>